This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Well, he's got the 10 million bucks and now he wants to be able to use some of that money to travel to Saudi Arabia. He also wants to see his notorious Al-Qaeda and jihad-loving sister, Zainab. Remember her? Well, I am, of course, talking about Omar Khadr. He wants a passport to be able to do these things, and that would require a change in his bail conditions. So Khadr's application for that will go to the Court of the Queen's Bench in Edmonton, Tomorrow, we are going to get to your calls and our security experts shortly. But first, we go to Karen McCrimmon, MP for the Riding of Canada Carleton and Parliamentary Secretary to Ralph Goodale. Hi there, Karen. Thank you very much for joining us. Pleasure to be here, Libby. So, um, I guess uh, Omar Khadr is going to court tomorrow to ask for a Canadian passport. What is uh, the government's take on this? Well, that uh, is really a a justice question when it's in the court. Um, We believe that there are, everyone has a certain set of rights, and they have the right to apply, to appeal, to the process as exists currently in Canada. Um, The What's going to happen is going to, it's going to be exactly, it's going to come down to security. What are we doing to keep Canadians safe? What are the threats? What are the risks? And, and, uh, you know, the court is going to have to listen to all of those issues. Does the government have a position? Uh, does the government have a suggestion? I mean, after all, uh, it is, it, it is a justice issue. Uh, Ralph Goodell is the public safety minister. You're his parliamentary secretary. Do you have a submission of any kind that you're making to the court, or is it all just up to them? Well, I, I think that there will be information that, that will come forward. But for, from our perspective, it is really about, are we doing the right thing to keep Canadians safe? Are we being respectful of, of the uh, ability of Canadians to, to be safe at home and, and to be safe as we move forward? That's our particular focus. We'll always be on that. We'll always be on what's the risks associated with this? What is the threat? What tools do we have in, in our toolbox to address it? And, and uh, you know, the courts will look at what the precedence has been in the past, what the issues that should be considered when, when such a request uh, comes forward. Okay, but again, does, uh, is, is, this, uh, is this a procedure where the government has any kind of say at all, or is it, is it all up to the court? Well, you know what, it comes back to we will assess whatever risk or threat is identified and it will be done on a, on a case-by-case basis. So 
for us going forward and saying this is what we're going to do and this is what we're going to pre- present, I think a lot of times in cases like this, the government will be responding to what the request is. And, and the discussions about what the threats are, what the risks are, what the rights are, um, that's a very delicate one that the courts take very seriously. And really, I'm going to leave it in their hands. Okay, I'm, I'm still just sorry. Uh, sorry if I'm being a little obtuse here. I'm still not clear. Can you overrule the court? Can we overrule If the court, the court decides that, yes, he should get a passport and you think that's a danger to security, can the government overrule the court? If we believe that that is the case, if the government says uh, this is a risk, this is a threat, and the court chooses to a- ignore that advice, which I don't believe they do. Um, I mean, we're a country of the rule of law. And, and I think this is what we need to go back to time and time again. Sometimes it makes us uncomfortable, but the rule of law is key. Public safety, we have our responsibilities, and that's to deal with risks and threats, and we do that. And the courts have their responsibility to make sure that our laws and our rules are upheld. So um, I, I know this is one of those issues where they overlap, and, and we're going to let the court um, do their job. I'm sure that, uh, you know, from a government perspective, from a public safety perspective, uh, we have likely uh, provided that assessment. Um, Threat assessment really is our our business. And uh, we have the people, we have the agencies, uh, and the professionals who need to kind of who need to make that decision, and and we will present um, to the courts, and and uh, the courts will rule. Um, what do you say? This is more of a political question. I'm sure you're aware there are a lot of people who are still angry about the award of that money to Omar Khadr. A lot of people who believe that this particular government is soft on returning fighters, soft on uh, people who are radicalized. What do you? What's your response to that? You know, I'm going to say, I'm going to challenge that. I'm going to tell you why. The previous government cut one billion, your, your money speaks a lot. The previous government cut a billion dollars, a billion dollars from our national security agencies. It hobbled them, made it difficult for them to do their jobs. And, and because of that, the previous government never laid a single charge, not one charge. So now we have a public uh, safety, a national security agencies that had been underfunded by the previous government. We're giving them the funding they need. We're building up their capacity. And so far, we have charged four. We have convicted two and two are pending. So we've already got a much superior record than the previous government does. But the thing people have to remember is this, this kind of gathering of evidence that would support a prosecution. It's, it's quite comprehensive. It's very demanding, very painstaking work. And it's also very resource 
intensive. So you have to be willing to make the investments in our national security agencies and our public safety agencies if we want to make progress. And we've made those investments. Okay. Karen McCrimmon, thanks so much for being with us. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Good to talk to you. Take okay, care. Okay, bye-bye. Let us take a call from John in Ajax. Hi, John. How are you doing? Fine. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm very disappointed in our government. I'm no longer proud to be a Canadian. They disrespect our veterans. When the veterans need more uh, support, there's no support, but they'll support terrorism. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they'll they'll give uh, ten million dollars to a terrorist, and now, oh, uh, this is a, they don't want to fight the. Uh, they're allowing more and more terrorists into the country. They talk about security. The last government's done a lot more to balance a budget. In my whole life, the liberals have a track record of wasting money and driving up taxes. And then uh, the rest go to try and balance it, and they go and destroy that again. They're not interested in security. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, our prime minister should be up on treason because of what he's done. He's bringing uh, the enemy into parliament. I have a big problem with that. And I know an awful lot of other people that do, too. Okay. I'm I'm not racist, but I have a big problem with people that are against our Christian views. This is a Christian country. It's not a Muslim country. And it's high time that people start to realize, hey, you, I've traveled around the world. You go to another country, it's a case you adapt to their uh, ways, and that's uh, out of respect. They oh. come over here, they have no intention of adapting. It's a case of they want us to adapt to them. Hey, oh. Okay, John, thanks for that. I think a lot of people would disagree that uh, this is a Christian country, Christian majority, um, religion is church and state are supposed to be separate. Um, But uh, let's try to keep this to the question of Omar Khadr and whether he should get a passport. So let me give the numbers again, people. 416-360-0740. Toll free 1-866-744-740. And I am going to bring in Phil Gursky, who is the president and CEO of Borealis Threat and Risk Consultant, uh, consultants, and he's a former strategic analyst at CSIS. Hi there, Phil. Hey, how are you? Fine. Uh, so I don't know if you had a chance to listen to the parliamentary secretary. It kind of took a while to drill down to what she was saying. So uh, Omar Cotter has a hearing in Edmonton. He wants a passport. He wants to go to Saudi Arabia. He wants to perform the Hajj, which Muslims are supposed to do once in a lifetime. He's only 32. He wants to... Uh, see his notorious uh, jihadi sister, Zainab. What do you think of that? Well, um, contrary to what a lot of Canadians seem to think, you don't actually have an absolute right to a passport. A passport's a privilege. Exactly. The government government can deny a passport if it has reasonable grounds to believe, i.e. it has either intelligence or information, that you're going to use that passport to engage in criminal activity or as a subset of that terrorist activity. So, for example... Uh, a lot of people 
who are Canadians who were seeking to go join Islamic State over the past couple of years, and either me and my folks at Caesars knew that or the RCMP knew it, we can use the information to tell Passport Canada, you know, Silgersky shouldn't travel to Iraq because we, we have reasonable grounds to believe he's going to join ISIS. So the passport wasn't given and people didn't get their passports. So when it was respect to Mr. Cotter, you're right, he's got a jihadi past. Um, that, that, that is clear. Canadians all know that. So what it suggests to me is that the government has something on him that's current to suggest he doesn't warrant that passport. Because this power is only exercised very, very carefully. It's not willy-nilly. It's not just a, you know, we'll just do this to Omar Carter because, because if, you know, we don't like him kind of thing. There have to be reasonable grounds, and those reasonable grounds have to be based on something. So what that is, I don't know. I'm not sure what the Secretary, uh, you know, said. I haven't heard it. But... There are grounds to do this. It's not just a random process. Well, no, no, no. But she said she did not say what the if the government's she said the government has the ability uh, to even if he wins in court. She the, she said the government has the ability to overrule that. She didn't say it had any intention of doing that. I mean, she was uh, uh, she was, I don't know, speaking very uh politically (laughs) hard to say what she was saying uh but yeah she didn't say oh we're going to step in and and overrule the court i mean i can see why she wouldn't say that but um what i find interesting in this case is 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 this the first application he's made and when in fact he came back from guantanamo a couple years ago were these conditions put in place back then for reasons that were either publicly available or not publicly available? So I, we're going to find out. He's got his court case. He'll make the application, and the government will decide. I guess we have to wait and see what the government decides to do. Okay. And uh, if you're uh, a betting, do you have any kind of uh, <laughs> thought about what, what the res- do you think the court will say? Sure, give him a passport. Oh, this is a great question, because the government's really been stung a lot in, in the recent past when it comes to, you know, jihadi and terrorist cases. We've lost a few court cases. Uh, people, a couple kids from Montreal want to go and join ISIS. The court found them not guilty. Uh, we had the reversal of the guilty verdict in the Nettle Karoti case in, in Victoria, B.C. a couple of years ago. The $10.5 million payout was not popular with four-fifths of Canadians. It still is not popular, boy. People remember. Well, well and, and no, nor should it have been. I mean, I came out vociferously saying, whatever happened to Omar Cotter, uh, and I don't support Guantanamo. I think it's a, it, it was a mistake, it, and, it, and it was a violation. We didn't do that to him, and therefore we shouldn't be ponying up Canadian tax, because my taxpayer dollars to pay for that. You should you know, sue the Americans if you want. So it's hard to say where the government will fall on this one. Um, they're taking a lot of heat for the foreign fighter policy. You know, why aren't we prosecuting more returning foreign fighters? Why they were they blaming the Harper's government. Just a minute ago, she was. Well, in, in, in perfect honesty, I'm, I'm trying to be apolitical here. The Harper government didn't do much, very good of a job either when it was in power. So I, I think that, it, you know, irrespective of the government, this is a hard issue, especially the returning foreign fighters. You have to have evidence to bring to court. You can't just use intelligence. You just can't bring them to court because you think you, you want to. There has to be hard evidence. And as I said, the government's lost some court cases, and I'm pretty sure they don't want to lose any more. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see what they decide on the Cotter case. If they decide to give them a passport, you can imagine the reaction of Canadians. It won't be good. It won't be good. won't be good for this government with a year to go to an election. Um, we have a lineup of people who want to get on, <laughs> and this conversation is fascinating, Phil, so hang on. I think what I'll do now, I'm going to take a quick break, and then I'm going to come back. People, hang on. We'll get to your calls, and we'll have more from Phil Gursky. So let's just take that quick break now. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. 
Welcome back. We are talking about Omar Khadr and whether the government should issue him a passport so he can go to Saudi Arabia and see his jihadi sister Zainab. There's a, a court proceeding over this tomorrow, and apparently we just heard the government uh will have the right to overrule that if they don't like the answer. But what the government thinks the right answer is, well, we don't know that yet. Uh, I'm on the line with Phil Gursky, who is the president and CEO of Borealis Threat and Risk Consultants. Uh, But first, we're going to take a couple of calls. We've got Simone in Parkdale. Hi, Simone. With the Trudeau pension for um, sympathies with terrorists and such, I don't think they'll try. They'll really stop him. And, uh, you know, as far as uh, Ralph Goodale, safety minister, I don't have much faith in him. He, this is the guy who said that he used to say that uh, terrorists coming back to Canada could not be rehabilitated. And Trudeau said they can be. And then he said that Ralph Goodale says they can be. And we've had people going through the borders and uh, they don't know who they are. And where's the safety there? And there was a Nigerian who raped an 11-year-old girl and killed a woman. And he's out in B.C. still here. A Nigerian killed a young girl in Italy. So a lot of Nigerians have been coming to the border. And uh, who, wh- what do we know about them? Okay, so, Simone, thanks okay. for that. Let's go to William in Toronto. Hi, William. Hi. Um, uh, I know for a fact that CSIS can overrule the federal court, uh, any decision that they make. So if they say he can go, uh, then CSIS can overrule them, because I always think they'll overrule because it's too early uh, from... Uh, from his previous court case, and he doesn't have to go to his hijab or whatever it is this year. He can go next year or next year. Uh, so that's I say right. he'll be he... overruled by CSIS. Okay. Thank uh, you. L- let's ask uh, Phil about that. Thanks, uh, William, for that. So is it um, is it CSIS that no. could do the overrule? It's the government, no, no, no. I think. That, 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 that's categorically incorrect. CSIS is an intelligence organization that collects intelligence and advises the government. The government can choose to do whatever it wants with the advice, but CSIS has no powers beyond that. It has to be the, it has to be the federal government, and in fact, it's the Ministry of Public Safety. The minister, uh, again, as I said before, on reasonable grounds, can overrule based if they have information to suggest that a passport will be used for criminal purposes. But no, there's no, there's no uh, role for CSIS in that. The second thing, Libby, is that um, he doesn't want the passport to go talk to his jihadi sister. He wants permission to talk to her in an unsupervised way. So one of the conditions under which he can talk to Zainab is there has to be a government official on the line at the same time to monitor what they're talking about. And he wants that, that, you know, that basic minder to be taken away. Um, I don't think that's a good idea, personally, given what Zainab's all about. But uh, that's what he's seeking for. So it's the passport to travel, and it's the lack of a government minder so he can talk to his sister by himself. Well, and where is she living now? I, think- I, I have no idea. I, I, all I've heard is that she's abroad. Um, I don't know. I think I, at one point I heard Pakistan, but I, I can't vouch for that. But she's not in the country, to the best of my knowledge. Well, no, she's not in the country, and and I think she is she is in a country like Pakistan where uh, they have a lot of jihadis there. So, um, yeah, he misses his sister. He misses talking to her um, alone. And uh, yes, CSIS can make a recommendation, but uh, we don't know. And I think you know um, it's possible uh, that with the government. It might not even necessarily, whatever they think security-wise, they might uh, be able to make a a determination that it would be politically damaging for them to allow him to have a passport. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, if CSIS or the RCMP or any other agency has information to suggest that this passport will be used for nefarious purposes, 
they can provide that to the government, I wish they can make their decision. So that, that's how the system works. Okay, let's take a call from Mary in Burlington. Hi, Mary. Hi, good day, Libby. Thanks once more for your, you know, for taking my call. You're very welcome. Anyhow, in relation to this Omar Qatar thing, eh? I'm afraid to say, let me say up front, it should not even have come up for discussion, but because we live in a democracy, yes, it has. Now, there was enough of an uproar and vociferous outburst of displeasure when the Prime Minister not only gave Omar Qatar his freedom, but paid him $10 million of taxpayers' money for his and his family's heinous acts. Taxpayers' money, most of whom could do well with one or two dollars of that amount. This, let alone the freedom to roam the world with his well-known sister who supports terrorism, Saudi Arabia, of all places, now on bad terms with Canada because of the Khashoggi murder and or execution. Listen, Prime Minister Trudeau, with all due respects and with all your soft heart, you better listen to this, the people of this country, your beloved Canada. Thank you, Libby. Okay, Mary, thanks for that. Um, let us go to Ken in Cambridge. Hi, Ken. Hi, Libby. Uh, thank you so much for taking my call. You're very welcome. Yes, I agree that uh, I, do, I, I don't agree, sorry, I don't agree that uh, they should allow the uh, a, a passport given to Omar Cotter. Uh, he is a, he's a convicted terrorist. And uh, we don't know exactly what he would do with the money he's got. He could even help his sister in, in, uh, in promoting terrorism and in helping and aiding them in, in, in various countries out over in the Middle East. We just don't know what he's going to do. And, uh, you know, I think, too, if the government continues to go down this track and allows him to have a passport, it's another coffin another nail, rather, in the liberal coffin to run this government. So um, as far as I'm concerned, he should not have a passport. Okay, thank you for that, Ken. Thank you so much. Okay, and uh, let's get back to Phil Gursky. And Phil, as I was saying before, you know, a lot of people don't have a lot of faith in this government in terms of dealing with returning jihadi fighters in terms of being tough on extremism. Uh, And uh, I would think that this government might you know, might be better in its political radar saying, hmm, this might not be good for us. Uh, do yeah. you have a view on that? Yeah, I don't disagree, Libby. I, I certainly have faith in the institutions that do their job. So my former organization, CSIS, the RCMP, uh, Canada Border Services and things like that, they're very professional organizations. They work independently of the government. Right. They gather their intelligence evidence and they advise, and the government can choose to take the advice or not and get different governments react in different ways. But I certainly agree with you that there's been a couple of hits the government's taken recently on the terrorism file um, that have not gone down well with Canadians. And I think from a purely political perspective, with the election coming up in less than a year, October 2019, I'm sure that the, the, you know, the mandarins of the Liberal Party are saying, hmm, 
You might want to not, not go down that road again because Canadians are really angry. And who knows how they'll react when they cast their ballot, you know, 10 months from now. So I think this will all come into play in terms of the decision whether to grant Mr. Cotter his passport or not. Yeah, and I, th- I think it's interesting with this one, you know, um, with most things, people people get angry with the government, then they forget. But, you know, when people are reminded on this one, I, I you know, this one, I think, really um, strikes a very, very deep core. Oh, and it does because the family's been a pain in the posterior for decades. You know, we know about the family. They raised their kids in an Al-Qaeda training camp in Afghanistan. We, we saw their support for the Toronto 18 during the trial in the mid-2000s. These are the guys that wanted to blow things up in downtown Toronto. And we know, the we know their Minister. ideology. We know their proclivities. We know who, what side of the, what side the, you know, they, they butter their bread on. And they're still doing it. And so, you know, they, they almost kind of remind Canadians that this is who we are and this is what we stand for. And, boy, if, you know, you may want to shut up because you're just kind of confirming what Canadians already think of you. So, you know, maybe take a breather and go on a holiday or something and, and, and keep, stop getting yourself on the front page of the CBC every day once in a while because it reminds Canadians of who you are and, and what you stand for. And do you know whether this is uh, something that we will get an answer from the court for right away, or will they take their time to make a decision? Hard to say. It's hard to say how long this will take. I mean, I don't know. How, I, I, I'm, I'm not familiar with these passport uh, cases in terms of whether they're, solved, they're resolved fairly quickly. I'm also not sure if the government will say, look, it, we can deny it based on information we cannot share publicly, i.e. intelligence. It means it can't be in the public sphere. Um, that, that you can do that. You can do it in camera. You can say, "Here's what we have," and I, we can't we can't disclose it. So it's really hard to say how fast this will be resolved. But um, the longer it is not resolved, and the more this name is on is on the front page of the news, I think the worse it is for for the for the governing liberals. Because again, it reminds Canadians that we still have this family. They're still with us, and they're still making life difficult for us. Uh, how would you rate the government? Uh, are they getting any better? at dealing with returning fighters. I think there are about 60 of them in the country now. Yeah, this, this, is, this is a tough one. I actually wrote a blog on my website about this earlier this morning, about the report that came out yesterday, uh, the Liberals responding to a, a motion to do, to do more in this file. This is a tough one. And in fact, I, I wrote a whole book on foreign fighters called Western Foreign Fighters a couple of years ago. The problem really reduces to, do you have enough evidence to go to court? So, you know, even if you suspect that, you know, Libby's Nimer went to go fight with ISIS in Iraq. Can you prove it in a Canadian court? Meaning it has to be evidence, not intelligence. It has to be reliable. It has to be corroborated. And, you know, I think we should all be aware of the difficulties of collecting evidence in a war zone like Syria or Iraq. So these are tough cases. These are not the same thing as domestic terrorism cases where you control the environment. You can't control the environment over there. So I think they're doing their best. Um, I hope, I, I wish that they would do more. As I said on my blog this morning, only four cases have been prosecuted so far. So my, my question is, what about the other 56? I mean, are they still under investigation? Have they been, you know, sent somewhere? Um, I don't have an answer to that. So, but I do, I do want to remind Canadians that this isn't as easy as just, just lock them up and throw away the key. That's not the way our court system works, nor is it should, should be the way our court system works. You have to prove to a reasonable extent that, that guilt is there. And I think we're very grateful for a system like that. I understand the frustration. I feel it. But I think we have to cut the government some slack in dealing with a very, very um, challenging uh, court, uh, court case in terms of gathering evidence. And what would you like to leave us with on this, Bill? Um, I, well, that's a great question. What I want to—I say this a lot to me. Look, the terrorism is real. It's serious, but it's not existential, and it's a very small problem in Canada. So we saw what happened in Strasbourg last night. That could happen here, but the fact is, it does not happen here very often. 
Second thing is, in response to one of the one of the caller's questions, it is not an immigration issue. These people are born and raised in our country. They're radicalized in our country. They, don't, they do not come here to the immigration system. So we have to deal with that aspect of it as well. But the last thing is, is that, you know, take a breather. You know, terrorism is going to exist, but it, it, it's fairly infrequent here in Canada, and we should celebrate that fact. Okay, well, we do celebrate that fact, and uh, thank you for reminding us that this is coming up just after that uh, horrible event in Strasbourg just yesterday. Phil Gursky, thank you so much for being with us on this. Always a pleasure. Have a good holiday. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.